Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the mega city metropolis of Toronto. I am your host, Eric Anthony, and thank you for joining us this week for episode 143. We are very excited to have you with us because for this episode, we are going to be spotlighting one of my personal favorite comic book companies and imprints currently publishing comic books today, and that is Valiant Comics. Maybe a few years ago, you heard me wax rhapsodic about Valiant Comics. Uh, when I was at the Fan Expo Canada 2016, I went to one of their panels. I actually get into that story in uh, in the episode as I talk to today's guest, which is the director of sales, Matthew Klein, who I actually met on that uh, very day at Fan Expo Canada. And since then, my reading experience in comics has been enhanced because I'm a big big fan of uh, Valiant Comics, many of their characters, many of their uh, their lines. Me and Martin Slam Duncan, you may have heard us talk about Valiant Comics before and I've been meaning to have an episode where I showcase the company and at this last Fan Expo in 2018 I ran into Matthew again and I said you know what why don't we get together in the near future and talk a little bit about the line I want you to sell the 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 comics line the way you did to me uh, a couple years ago and the way you do still and it's one of those things when you get to the table at a Fan Expo or even in a comic book shop and you start flipping through these books they captivate you right away because the quality, the storytelling, the art, the creators that are working on these books is top-notch stuff and you really get your money's worth for your reading experience and they're great to collect in in uh, single issue form, graphic novel form. I prefer the deluxe hardcover edition just because it looks great on a shelf and I love reading, uh, I love binging the stories that um, are being reprinted from Valiant. So. I'm really excited to have this one for you guys. It was great talking to Matthew. I'm a big fan of Valiant Comics. I'm looking forward to what they have in store in the future. And I hope after you hear this episode, some of you get to your local comic book shop or your bookstore, however you choose to purchase your books and grab yourself a couple of these stories. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee you on that. You will not be disappointed. If you don't know what to read at Marvel or DC or any other comic book line for that matter, you don't have to worry. You jump into... The Valiant comic book and you are going to get your money's worth and really enjoy the experience. So before we get into it, I just want to remind you to email us at caveofsolitude@outlook.com If you want to leave us an email and give us some fan feedback, leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoy the show and, and want to you know share it with friends. That would be a great help to us leaving a review there as well as follow us on Facebook and Instagram anywhere you can type in Cave of Solitude as well. Uh, I got to shout out some of my favorite podcast that I listen to, uh, Fastball Special from my buddy Martin Slam Duncan, as well as the Comic Shenanigans from my other buddy Adam Chapman, who I'm a big fan of both of their podcasts, and I want everybody to to check them out and listen to them because they got great guests and great content, and sometimes I show up on some of those episodes as well. So without further ado, this is myself speaking with the Director of Sales of Valiant Entertainment, Matthew Klein. So welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude. I am your host, Eric Anthony. So back in 2016, while I was attending Fan Expo Canada, I thought I would kill some time and check out a spotlight panel on Valiant Comics, something I really did not know much about at all at the time. And I left that panel a changed comic book fan and reader. And that same day, I visited the Valiant Entertainment booth and was sold a stack of graphic novels from today's guest, the directors of sales of Valiant Entertainment, Mr. Matthew Klein. Matthew, thank you for coming on to the show. We really appreciate it. 
No, no, listen, I, I, I am always honored uh, when someone thinks that I would be of any value whatsoever to talk about and to entertain their listeners. So thank you so much for having me here on the on the Common Cave of Solitude. This is really exciting for me. And uh, yes, I am guilty uh, for setting you up with so many graphic novels, and it was great reconnecting with you at this year's. And Expo Canada. That's right. It was. It was. I went to the 2017 completely stoked for the fact that I'm, the Valiant Table is going to be there, and I'm going to be able to get all of the deluxe hardcover editions that I, I'm having a hard time finding. And you guys weren't there. And then in 2018, you were back, so that was that was good. I hope you guys come back soon again. Ah, uh, we would love to. And in 2018, uh, we were at Fan Expo through Silver Snail Comics as well uh, out in Toronto, which is a, a wonderful shop. And uh, we've, we've been, you know, really evolving the ways in which we do um, outreach with our communities, with the, the local retailers and local businesses that support us and that we, we always look at as more of a partner than, than, uh, than anything else. Um, and so they were great. They, they really wanted us at our booth and worked out a great deal to make sure that was possible. And uh, in return, they unfortunately had to put up with me there all weekend. <laughs> uh, but it was it was just a, a great time. It's always one of my favorite shows to go to and one of my favorite cities as a comic fan. Uh, just a, a great area, a great amount of shops and so many enthusiastic fans who just love the community and love the art form. And it's always wonderful interacting with that with that base. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I didn't realize growing up just how much of a comic city uh, Toronto is. With all the places you've been to and being, you know, in the sales of the business, where would you say Toronto ranks amongst like comic book cities? Oh, man, put me on the spot right away. It, it's no, it's not it. no, no it. pressure, um, but just like it just came to me as you were mentioning, you know, having been there and, no, and knowing how many shops there are in the city. It is interesting. I mean, you know, one of the things that we really focus on at Valiant is we, we don't just sit in our offices, you know. Uh, we we make it a point. We go out and we visit uh, as many cities, as many comic book shops, and get to meet as many fans as possible. So, I mean, we go uh, in, in 2018 alone. I think we hit about 20 states and uh, three countries, two continents, um, you know, and, and over 100 shops in store. Mm-hmm. Somebody physically from Valiant in there. And that doesn't include the shops that we go to more than one um, in our area that, that are a little closer to the Valiant offices or that we personally shop at. So, but Toronto, I mean, man, it's it's an incredible community. I'd, I'd probably have to put it somewhere in, like, the top five um, just because you – not only do you have such an incredible – you know, it, it's a big city. It's nice and spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many different types of shops, and that's one of the one of the most incredible parts of of this job in this area of the business that so many people I don't think are able to to see the macro level about is that every shop is different, every shop has its own personality, yeah. and every shop has a different model almost for how they run their business and how they reach out and interact with their customers and bring in new customers and interact with industry and do they do conventions do they not how do they stock their shelves how do they display how big is it and it's it's just incredible seeing the uh the amount of variety of different ways in which comic shops um operate and and how they present themselves out into the world to their communities to their local markets um and it's just you know 
Toronto has such an incredible amount of variety of shops from places like the Beguiling mm-hmm. to Silver Snail uh, to Gotham Central. I believe it's uh, Masagua. And then uh, there's just, and, and they're all, you know, such incredibly well-run operations. And, but they all, you know, have very different philosophies and different ways in which uh, they operate. And they're all right. You know, like there's, there's so many different ways to, to do it, you know, for the best and for the benefit of the shop and the community. And that's one of the reasons Toronto for me is so exciting is because you get to see so many different flavors and so many different ways of, of being a part of the community and so many different facets from the shops themselves. Yeah, no, it's true. You mentioned three uh, big ones that everyone's uh, familiar with when from the area, and they they do have different philosophies and different things that they put on the shelves and display them. But every time you go to it, it's it's a different experience, but a worthwhile one because you're going to find something unique at each of those shops that you know maybe the Absolutely. other one doesn't have, which makes it. You know, I love being able to go to different shops in the city and, and supporting them all. My my shop is uh, Cyber City Comics up in the northern part of the, uh, oh, yeah. part of the city, and that's that's yeah, been around for twenty five years. So we've got a we've got yep. a good a good yeah. You're right, a great community here, and and the shops are are some of the best that I've that I've seen. Um, it's it's incredible, and and they're you know, and it's really enthusiastic too because you see a lot of them are expanding. So it right. means things are healthy. It means the community is really healthy and everybody's able to really be supportive. I mean, Gotham Central, I think, like only a year ago, expanded almost double. And yeah. beguiling in the last 18 months is almost three times the size as it used to be. And Silver Snail, too, has had great... I mean, it's just... And that's that's how you know it, it's all working. And that's how you know the community is really, really strong, too, is they don't just exist for, for a, a year or two years. They're there for 25, 30 years, and they're still getting bigger. Yes. Um, which is really, really exciting. Yes, absolutely. So before we get in, in depth into the Valiant Comics universe, I want to ask a little bit about you, Matthew. Where did you grow up and what's kind of your comic book origin? So I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and then when I was 18, I moved to New York City for college and never left. Um, I had two local shops that I went to um, that I would visit when I was in Philly growing up. Uh, one was called Showcase Comics on South Street, the infamous South Street of Philadelphia. It's now uh, Atomic City Comics, um, one, still one of my favorite places to go to whenever I go back home down there and visit family. And then my other shop was a place called Fat Jack's Comic Crypt, which will be there before, I think, since the beginning of time. And <laughs> damn it, it's going to be there till the end of time. Um, and it's a, it's a very great, like, old-school, you know, environment kind of a shop. I love the guys over there. I, yeah, it's one of those, like, every time I go in there. Um, and, and that was the closest one to where I actually physically live. And then South Street was kind of the hangout spot uh, when you were in middle and high school, so I would always visit down there. For me, though, um, I wasn't a big single-issue kid growing up. I really grew up on, on trades. I got really exposed through, you know, like Batman the Animated Series and the Timverse universe and the X-Men cartoon. I'm a child of the 90s in that way mm-hmm. um, was when it really hit my consciousness. Um, I still remember getting my my Death of Superman comic in the poly bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my Uncle Michael bought that for me, and he bought me another one, and he said, save that poly bag one. It's going to 
pay for your college one day. <laughs> um, which, you know, so many millions of people did that. Um, and then, uh, but I was, I was always a Batman kid growing up. I was a little bit more DC. And then when I got into, really when I got into college, is when I started getting more into Marvel um, and getting more and catching up on Vertigo um, and getting more into the independence. And uh, then after, uh, when I was done school and then grad school, um, I ended up working in a shop called Forbidden Planet. Yeah. Um, Well-known off shop. Of Union Square in Manhattan. Yep. Um, love it. Uh, still, it's still, you know, one of the shops I shop at every single week. Um, and when I was there, just everybody on the staff was, you know, and it's one of the things I love about comic book retail is that, you know, all the employees have different tastes and they started exposing me to, uh, guys like Brandon Graham and Daniel Klaus and, um, and learning a little bit more of the history of it too, just from, from folks who've been working there for 10, 15, 20 years at that point. And so I just got a whole other type of education. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm very story driven, even more than the artist. I love a good story. Um, and, uh, and for me, like I, I grew up on, uh, you know, Bendis' Daredevil, um, uh, Long Halloween, I think is one of the most perfect mysteries in the history of literature, uh, let alone comics, uh, or Mm -hmm. prose, um, and stuff like that. So I, I always, I always went towards the darker stuff. I'll be honest, but I'm a little bit of an angst at heart. I think, <laughs> um, and you even, you even see it in stuff that I've, I've written in the past. Like it, there's my, my partner always likes to make fun of me that someone's always dead or dying in anything I've ever created. It's very <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> so working in a comic shop, you listed two, two titles or two series that you really love. Did you have like a top five go-to for people who would come into the store off of like Matt's recommendations? Oh, I, I, every week it changed because okay. every week something, you know, every Wednesday is is Christmas in the yeah, comic book shop. You get new true. presents and, and new <laughs> gifts and, and it's, it's amazing. So I would be flipping through about 30 titles a week um, so that I could talk about them. And those are just the single issues. And then I was reading about five or six graphic novels a week. Um, just so I could talk about it. I, you know, one of my favorite stories I love telling people, and, and this is one of the things that influences Valiant in terms of how we reach out to stores is, you know, it's, it's really my belief that a lot of, a lot of sales will go up if you find an employee in a shop that hand sells hmm. who becomes a fan, you know, and it's something that we're, we're really proud of that we have so many comic shop owners and employees who read Valiant, who believe in Valiant, who, who believe, you know, they They've seen the quality, and so they're willing to recommend it to their regulars. And one book I always go back to is um, a book called Comeback by Ed Brisson and Michael Walsh. Uh, and uh, I, I picked it up in graphic novel form. I didn't see it when the, the single issues were coming out. And it's, it's just this great, you know, sci-fi noir. And I think my boss ordered, like, three copies initially. Once I read it, I sold all three within a week. And then he ordered another three, sold that in a day. He ordered five more, sold that in a week. And then he started, he got up to 22 copies for one week, and I sold them all within three days. Um, and it just, it just became, like, one of those books that I became a fan of, and I knew that no one else knew about it. But I thought, no, this is a book that absolutely, you know, everyone should know about. If you're, if you're a mystery fan, if you're a sci-fi fan, and I would just pitch it, and I would carry a stack in my, my arms and just say, this is my book of the day, and we just sell, 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 sell. 
And I ended up doing that too with um, Exo Man of War Volume One by by Robert Venditti and Carrie Nord, and uh, and Quantum and Woody Volume One. Quantum and Woody um, really changed my entire perception. Uh, that that first story arc, um, and just you know, and that's that's kind of how I I fell into Valiant. There was was something similar, just keeping track of everything that was there. But yeah, no, so. So for me, like my, my five that I give people, it all depends on, um, I always ask new readers or potential new readers, uh, if you've never read a comic book before, what movies do you like? What mm. prose do you read? What kind of stories or characters um, do you feel connected to? Is there a genre? Okay, and then once we nail down the genre, then I start asking, are there any characters that you're familiar with? Are there any types of characters that you're drawn to. Okay, then we go from there. And then I ask about, you know, if there are any actors or, or writers or creators that they've heard about and want to know more of, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I narrow it down, and then I would have, you know, you know, if they came in looking for one book, I would put five in their hand, and if they walked away with two and they wrote down the other three that they didn't pick up, I knew that I had a brand-new customer for a long time. Um, so I always, I, always tailor, I always tailor it to the customer. I never really tried to bring any of my own taste so much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's, there's no judgment in a comic book shop, you right. know, there shouldn't there, be. or at least there shouldn't be, right. There shouldn't be. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's always how I operate. And, you know, I, I'm very, I have no problem giving somebody a comic that is not to my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that it's not to my taste, but it could be to somebody else's, that there is somebody out there who it is their favorite comic, and I will always want to respect that as best I can. Right. Well, I got to say that that whole shtick that you just did worked on me almost exactly <laughs> to a T when I came to your table. So it, it, it's a tried and true formula. So how did you get, get uh, connected with Valiant Comics as far as working for them? It is all Matthew Rosenberg's fault. Um, so Matthew Rosenberg, who is the current writer of, uh, one of the architects for Uncanny X-Men, The Punisher, um, did a phenomenal books at Black Mask, like We Can Never Go Home and Four Kids Walking No Bank. So he and I were working at Forbidden Planet, um, together, uh, when he was, I think he was getting ready to come out with We Can Never Go Home at that point. And, uh, Valiant reached out to him and asked if he was interested that they were expanding their sales department and thought he'd be a great fit. And uh, Rosenberg uh, very politely declined and said, "Listen, I really want to. I really want to keep you know focusing on being a comic book writer." Um, and I think he made the absolute right choice. <laughs> 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 he had four books come out last week, wow. um, and uh, but he said, "There's this. There's another Matthew at the shop that you know would be somebody you guys want to talk to." Um, and so they they came and and passed on my number. Did Matthew to. Uh, to Adam Freeman and, and the rest of the crew. Um, and then I went through uh, a great vetting process and a bunch of interviews, and that was... And then I started with Valiant November 4th, uh, 2014, uh, was my first full-time day. Um, and, yeah, that's then I was there for... I mean, technically, I've been a part of the company ever since, I believe. So f- four strong years. That's awesome. Uh, was it 14? Gosh, yeah, it has been four years, hasn't it? Wow. Yeah, I think I've got my dates right. I think it's 14. <laughs> um, sorry, as I, I, I'm realizing as I'm, as I'm getting older, the years start blurring together. Uh, my father always warned me of that, and I always didn't believe him. I thought he just had, you know, a bad memory, but nope, it's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> 
So, uh, but yeah, no. So if it wasn't if it wasn't for Matthew Rosenberg thinking uh, for some unknown reason, I have no idea why. Uh, but he just he thought I might be a good fit um, and, and put us in touch together, and everything came out of that. So every time I see him, I, I always thank him for my job. That's awesome. That, that's that's uh, a pretty good story as far as working with somebody in a comic shop who's now got a bunch of books on the shelf. He's doing his thing. You're you're selling comics from from Valiant. That's a a pretty great great. Oh, it's career great. Career. And then we we have another one. Uh, Vida Ayala uh, was with with me and Rosenberg and Forbidden Planet at the same time. And now you know it, it's surreal to me that we've got Livewire number one written by Vida coming out. Um, on December 19th of this year, and they were just announced for a miniseries with uh, the Marvel Knights celebration that's been going on, right. and their books over at Vault and Black Mask. And so it's, it's fascinating. I, Vita was, was in not too long ago uh, in the office. We were going over all the big things that we do at Valiant to, to promote a big release like this, and we just kind of took a second. We were just like, you know, we knew each other, and we just, randomly met work they were running the gaming counter at forbidden planet and i was just the newbie hand seller on the in, on the back wall <laughs> uh, and here we are that was 2011 and now seven years later um we were working together in a whole other context i keep telling forbidden planet they really need to make an alumni page um anna peterson who ended up at Santa graphics for a while i think she i think she might still be there as well like uh, that that one store has has literally put in its tendrils all over uh, the comic book industry. That's awesome. So let's get let's get into Valiant now. Give us the uh, the mission statement of the Valiant Entertainment Universe and how it's all structured. How would you sell it to the listener who's hearing the, the name Valiant Comics? Valiant Comics. What what do they need to know about it? So if you've never read a Valiant comic before. Um, I always like to ask people three questions, uh, and I do this at conventions, you know, mm-hmm. whenever I get a chance to meet them. I always say, uh, do you like superheroes? Do you like stories that have a beginning, middle, and end? And do you like kick-ass characters? Uh, if your answers are yes to all three, we're for you. If your answers are two out of the three, we're for you. Um, doesn't matter which two, to be honest. And mm-hmm. But for us, Valiant Entertainment, um, we publish comics that deal with uh, real people, real human beings who are thrust into extraordinary circumstances. Uh, but they are as capable for a failure or greatness as you or I would be, Eric. Um, they are flawed. They are not, you know, they didn't start out being the, the prodigies in their, uh, you know, in their class. They didn't start out with any types of advantages. They, they start out just like with, with good and bad in them as anybody else, and then they are thrust into circumstances, uh, either getting powers or being um, hunted down by ninjas or, or uh, dealing with circumstances they never imagined themselves in. Um, and whether they make the right decision or the wrong decision could make them the hero or the villain of their story. And that can change at any given moment. And what I love about our, our universe is that as shared as it is, um, every series is, is really created with the intent of being accessible so that any book can be someone's very first Valiant read. Hmm. Um, whether it's somebody like Exo Manowar, who I like to call our angry space Viking out of time, to <laughs> uh, Bloodshot, who is, you know, um, a super soldier 
who can never escape the war that he's he's had to fight for all of his memory, um, or whether it's Faith, who is just the the, the aspirational heart um, and, and the beating heart of, of pop culture geekdom come to life, or hmm. if it is somebody something like Britannia, which is the world's very first detective set in ancient Rome. Um, name the genre, we have something for you. Name the type of character, we have someone for you. Um, name the kind of art style, you know, we really give the artist the, the freedom to explore the genre that every book works in. And it just so happens that they all take place in the same universe and the same continuity, uh, which is, again, one of the things that makes it so wonderful. You're rewarded the more that you read. You're never required to read more than you want. And that's really our, our philosophy. We are a universe that has consequences. We are the publishers of the superhumans with the emphasis on humans. Um, I've said that before, and I, I still stand by that um, statement everywhere of it. The humanity is first, the super comes later. I, I like that tagline that you said. Can you repeat it one more time about you are rewarded for the more that you uh, The more that you're rewarded, the more that you read, but you're never required to read more than you want. Yes, that's a um, great way to put it. Yeah. You know, you see like this connective tissue, you'll see these Easter eggs, but just because you're reading all, you know, say Quantum and Woody, it doesn't mean that you ever are missing out on something going on in Shadow Man and vice versa, um, or Exo Manowar, or, you know, if you were to pick up uh, Rye, or if you were to pick up Base Dreamside right now, or the upcoming Livewire. You know, they're all, you know, e- when we do decide to bring all the characters together for an event like Harbinger Wars 2 or The Valiant, um, you know, you can jump in right there with the event, and then there are four or five different directions you can choose if you so want to, to go out of, but you're never required to. Um, we don't we don't like it as readers, so we don't do it as a publisher. <laughs> right. So it seems like what Valiant does now is what initially made the Marvel Universe something that everybody latched onto because you, you wanted to uh, interact with these characters because you realized, oh, look, there's – Iron Man flying by as Spider-Man is doing such and such. And I find very much the same experience when I'm – because I had no intention when I uh, started reading Valiant to uh, ever pick up, let's say, Ivar the Time Walker, for instance, because I'm just – it just right. seems so far removed from – One of my so, favorites. Right. One of my favorite things that we've ever done. It seems so far from removed from Exo Manowar, but I went from Exo Manowar to reading Ninjak to then reading The Valiant, which opened me up to – Eternal Warrior, and then from there you're into Archer and Armstrong and Ivar the Time Walker without blinking an eye. And it seems like to people who are hearing me say these names and they don't sound as familiar as your, uh, you know, Marvel or DC superhero, their 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 stories are as good, if not better, because you're just completely enveloped in what's happening in this universe without you realizing it. I I will put our stories up there in a Pepsi challenge with any other publisher on the shelf. Um, I, I think our content and the quality is absolutely second to none. Um, and we, we focus on story and character first. That is always what Valiant has been founded on since the, the shooter in Leighton days when they first founded the company nearly 30 years ago. Um, it has always been about the characters. It has always been about story. It has always been about exploring the consequences of the character's actions 
um, and making sure that the, the characters, you know, don't start off as the smartest kid in the class necessarily. Um, they're, they're not, you know, genius scientists before, you know, anything happens. They're not gods come down from the heavens, uh, with the exception maybe of divinity, but even he didn't start out that way. Um, and that's, that's really, I think, you know, it, it creates a, a relatability, as you said, that, that is kind of reminiscent of those, uh, you know, that early Marvel stage. And Shooter and Layton, when they created the company, that was very much, you know, part of their mission statement. They wanted to be the superheroes outside your window. And I think when we came back in 2012, that was, that was very much something we wanted to get back into. And we thought that there was still room for in, in the community and, and on your, your local comic book shop shelves. Right. And, and, you know, needless to say, Jim Shooter's Marvel tenure, for better or for worse, depending on who experienced it, was for fans, one of the best tenures of, of comics from that company. And when he went over to and started Valiant Comics, you get a, a very similar sense of that feel of making things work in a way that is relatable and that you want to read more. So it only makes sense that it's it was you know and and the bravery of of Shooter and Layton you know the the bravery Valiant is a Valiant is an incredible um, David and Goliath story quite right. frankly um, you know the original founding of Valiant they were told you're crazy to leave Marvel you're never going to make it you'll be done in six months there's no room for you and they lasted and they lasted and they lasted and they lasted and then they they got bought out by a claim in the nineties. And then, you know, a claim went under in 2004, and in 2005, an original Valiant reader picked it up um, and, and bought the company with their business partner. And then and in 2012, when Valiant came back to market, they said, nope, there's, there's no room for you. This isn't the 90s. This isn't the boom period anymore. There's no room for another superhero universe in comics. You're going to be out in six months. Well, six and a half years later, and here we are, and we're getting stronger and stronger, and we have so many exciting things to come. And, you know, any time that you tell us we can't do it, we prove you wrong. And we prove you wrong because of the strength of the characters, because of the strength of the stories, because of the care that's put into um, into each and every comic book, because readers deserve nothing less. There have never been more comics coming out per month. Right. Almost, I think on average, between 490 and 500 individual items that come out every single month in a comic book shop for anybody to pick up. So why are they picking up ours? Because it's got to be the best. Because we have to have the most captivating covers. Because we have to have the best stories. Because we have to make sure our characters are treated with the most amount of respect and our stories are told with the utmost reverence for the readers. Um, and that's, that's why we're still around and that's why we plan on being around for a long, long time and why we're in great shape too. So explain that to me a little bit because it is uh, such a competitive shelf every week. Like you said, you've got up to 500 possible comics that somebody could buy. And some people are crazy enough to buy them uh, all. Around there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what does Valiant have to do in order to stay competitive? Or where do they fit into the mix of all of the, the publishers that are being put out there, putting comics out there right now? I think one of the things that sets us apart um, from, from a lot of the rest of the industry, I think that we do focus on quality over quantity. You know, we, we don't publish 90 titles a month or 80 titles a month or 60 to 50 titles a month um, like Marvel and DC and Image might. We, we keep it very manageable, and we really focus on, on telling the best stories, not just the most amount of stories. We do believe that quality wins out in the end. We believe that content 
is what keeps you relevant and what keeps you excited. And the other thing we never do is we never get comfortable. Um, we, we always are looking to innovate. We always stay hungry and ambitious. Uh, we never fall. We never, never, never want to fall into a pattern. And if we start to see that we do, we stop everything. We start figuring out how we can, you know, make sure that we're staying as hungry and wide-eyed and excited and ambitious as we possibly can. So from, from my perspective, it's still, it always comes down to telling the best stories and telling, you know, and, and having the most compelling characters. And it comes down to that, even to the, the best, um, having the best and most compelling covers every month. And even if we miss the mark, you know that it's a noble miss because we're always trying. And then, but if you look at our track record, we hit a lot more than we miss. And for us too, it's, it's always about getting the word out. And this is really where the sales department, I think, comes in. We have the largest sales force in all comics. Um, we have an incredible fan base. I, I think that the Valiant fans um, are, are about the hardest core and most incredible group of fans that any, anybody would be, you know, incredibly grateful to have. You know, there were Valiant fan panels at San Diego Comic-Con even when there wasn't, a, you know, any new books coming out for a couple of years. Um, you know, we have such an incredible fan base who make it their point. They make it their mission to say, hey, this is really important, this is really good, this is something you want to be a part of, it's something you want to take ownership, and they make sure that they're spreading the word for us. Our largest sales team, we're talking to over 100 retailers a week. We talk to more than 1,000, almost 2,000 a year. Um, we're making sure that we have, we're working far enough ahead that we give retailers and fans a glimpse at all the books they have coming up. So they have confidence that we're going to get the books out on time, mm -hmm. that the books are going to stay that quality, that they get those sneak peeks. And we message the heck out of them and we support the retailers and the fans. We make sure that if they're not, not excited, then we know we're doing something wrong. But our mission is always to make sure that they are as excited as we are here at the office. Right. And I think what what helps as well, I mean, from any fan's perspective is when you're about to buy a book, it could have a compelling cover, it could have a good tagline on it. But we often look at the creative team who's going to be sure. on the book. So what's the incentive for some of the top creators in the business like Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, you got Tom Girello, um, Carrie Nord, Clayton Crane. What What has been the incentive to keep these guys working for the company? I think the reason that we've we've you know attracted such incredible talent and and also look at look at guys like Robert Venditti, Robert you know, Venditti, Robert Fred Van Lenty. Robert Venditti had never done a monthly comic before he worked on Exo Man Award Number One. Never, yeah. he done graphic novels. Right. Um, that was his very very first book, and then then he got you know you know for us I, I think that we feel in a lot of ways where we give the creators freedom that even though you're working within a shared universe, even though you're working within a continuity, you can really make it your own. You can put your own personal stamp and your own personal voice in there. And it feels almost like a creator-owned book. You know, it feels right. like something that would come out of, you know, uh, a house like that. And so I think that it, it's the work experience. I think it's, it's the characters, it's the story, it's the freedom that our editorial does an incredible job of, of creating an environment to welcome in Top talent, uh, emerging talent, um, more established, mid-career, you name it. You know, we, we just want to tell the best stories, and we want to work with people who want to tell the best stories. So we go out of our way to make sure that that's the attitude and that that's the environment that they come into. 
Um, and I think our editorials just done an incredible job fostering uh, that sort of, uh, you know, of relationship with talent that they want to come in and then they fall in love with the characters and they, they get passionate and they take ownership of the work that they do. And you can see it. In, I mean, Bloodshot Reborn into Salvation, you know, is, is some of my favorite Jeff Lemire work. I don't just say that because I work here. I think it's absolutely a brilliant, brilliant treatise um, uh, on, on gun violence and soldiers going and coming back from war. I think Joshua Dysart's Harbinger Run is, is one of the most brilliant character journeys uh, I've ever experienced in the medium. And then I, I'm incredibly excited for everyone to see what Vita Ayala is going to be doing uh, with Livewire, giving that character her due with issue number one coming out on December 19th with uh, the artwork from Raul Allen and Patricia Martin as well. And I think that, I, you know, from what I can tell, it seems that the creators just feel like they have the freedom that they can do some of their best work here at Valiant. And that makes them want to. Yeah. And it motivates them. Yeah, and you know it, it. It's not to blow smoke or pump tires, but like the books are really, they really are that good. Like it's not. Well, the other thing we do, I think that allows an artist like Clayton Crane or Nico Soyan or Luis Rosa, especially uh, or Raul and Patricia. You know, these are artists that need a lot of lead time. You know, they right. need they need the runway. They need the amount of of headway to do their best work. And, you know, our editorial staff tries to work as far ahead as they can. Uh, I mean, like Pal Rivera with the Valiant was getting scripts, I think over a year in advance of when the book was coming out. Um, so that Paolo had all the time in the world, he and his father to put in their best work and not just phone it in. Nico Soyan, you know, was getting scripts, I think like seven, eight months in advance. Clayton Crane was too. You know, we really, we work far enough ahead that we can attract that kind of talent. Um, and we're, we're a small enough house internally. We're a family that we can adjust the schedule for them to accommodate that kind of lead time. And we can plan enough in advance. And I think that's another thing that helps us really separate ourselves and stay competitive, if you will, um, but again, it also speaks to we want to make sure that we have the best quality of, of, a, of a story out there because that is no question what every reader deserves. You should never have to settle for a mediocre comic. There are always great comics out there, and we're going to make sure that ours is the absolute best they can be for you. Right. So it's hard not to uh, talk about comics in the different universes without making comparisons as to if you like this you would like that so let's let's do like a oh, little totally let's do a little roll call of valiant sure. characters and i'm going to throw out a popular comic book character or or fictional character and see which one would be best suited for that type of fan so if i like batman what would valiant comics ninjak. have okay if ninjak i'm sorry if batman um and Black Widow had a baby raised by a grumpy, evil Alfred. He would grow up to be Ninjak. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> How could you not want to read that? <laughs> uh, that? That's my point. And then, you know, and you can start with, uh, with Ninjak Volume 1 from Matt Kent and Clay Mann and Butch Geis, uh, which is a little bit more about his origin story. Or you can jump into Ninja K Volume 1 uh, by Tomas Giorello and Christos Gage. Um, who completely take his mythology and blow it up in ways that I'm really excited that the Valiant Universe could be exploring pretty soon as well. But yeah, no, if you're if you're a Batman fan, uh, I always point them towards Ben Jack and just go take away the morals, uh, but keep the tech, and you're you're going to be you're you're 
getting closer to who Ninjak, who Colin King is all about. And I almost feel in the Ninjak narrative that there's also the element of if you like Iron Fist, that sort of thing is oh, there yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, I blame Warren Simons for that a little bit. He was <laughs> our, our editor-in-chief for many years who worked on uh, that incredible Iron Fist run, the best Iron Fist run of all time, in my, in my humble opinion, with Ed Brubaker yeah, yeah. Um, and Matt Fraction and David Aja on there. Well, that makes so sense. I, I, I always blame Warren for, for bringing that little bit in there. But yes, I agree. There's a, there's a touch of Iron Fist in there as well. Okay, so if somebody were to like uh, Iron Man, what would they read? Uh, Iron Man, I'd probably point you towards. Um, I'd probably point you towards towards Exo Manowar. Um, if mostly because of the suit, right. uh, Exo is kind of Iron Man meets Conan with a touch of Thor. Um, yes, uh, he's, he's got a little bit of a man out of time. He's a, a Visigoth prince uh, whose people are enslaved by an alien race known as uh, the Vine. For three years, they are used basically as slave labor on their fleet, and then uh, becomes a very kind of Arthurian legend where this human, this waste, this nothing manages to put on a sacred armor that has uh, killed everybody that's tried to wear it for a thousand years. And he frees his people, but when he brings them back home, three years have not actually passed because they've been traveling faster than light. It's actually been 1600, and he's in modern-day Rome. And the question becomes, there is no home for his people. There is no history for them. They have been forgotten by the wayside. But he has freed them from the worst trauma you can imagine. So will he save his people and play nice with the world, or will he just decide to use this weapon of mass destruction, he's wearing this suit of armor, and conquer it? Um, I always tell people, if you like Breaking Bad, this is Breaking Good. Um, (laughs) That's great. Okay, sell me on Bloodshot, because I think there's a bunch of different characters Uh, that Bloodshot... There's a few different things. There's a little little Wolverine in there, there's a little Winter Soldier in there, there's a little Punisher in there. You know, Bloodshot was a a super soldier, um, basically a a private military company called Project Rising Spirit takes this guy and uh, keeps the hardware and gets rid of the memory. Um, and we're actually learning more and more about that origin story and where Bloodshot came from and Bloodshot Rising Spirit. Uh, the first issue just came out. And, um, but as far as fans know right now, um, Bloodshot um, is a super soldier, an unkillable machine used by, uh, with nanite technology to be faster, stronger, healing factors, and even shapeshift a little bit um, for very limited amounts of time. And he is implanted with a different tragic backstory to motivate him to kill whoever Project Rising Spirit wants him to kill. And then when the mission is over, they delete all of his memories, and they implant a new memory to try and motivate him to kill their next target. Where the 2012 series really starts is where, uh, which is what the film I think is going to be pretty much based on um, as a jumping off point that Vin Diesel's in, is the puppet discovers he's being used by the puppeteers and he goes on this incredible escape and he's now on this kind of revenge redemption quest. So it does have a little bit of that weapon X kind of feel to it a little bit. And it's almost structured more like a neo Western in the beginning. Um, and then it just goes crazy from there. It almost has a, a Jason Bourne esque feel to it. Yeah, as well. A little bit. A little yeah. Bit. The, the amnesia factor is in there as well. Yeah. Uh, for, for sure. 
Okay, Matthew, I'm a big fan of the X-Men, but I haven't found the X-Men on the shelf for a long time from Marvel. What, what do you guys have if I want to read something like the X-Men? Uh, pick, up, pick up Harbinger, man. Pick up Harbinger, number one. Um, think real-world, gritty kids with powers, you know, but their backstory is that they, in, in our universe, um, we call them psyops. Uh, these are these are folks who manifest powers. Um, either they come by it naturally, or there have been attempts to activate um, latent powers in individuals uh, with some successful and some disastrous consequences, depending on which stories you're reading. But Harbinger is this uh, about a group of psyops. Um, who come from different backgrounds. They come from drug addiction. They come from broken homes. They're orphans. And they're brought into a place by a man named Toya Harada, uh, who's the most powerful man and the richest man in the world. And they're brought to a, the Harbinger Foundation where they are going to be rehabilitated, and they're going to learn how to make the right choice, and they're going to learn how to bring peace on Earth. Well, it turns out that the Harbinger Foundation may or may not be a terrible, evil uh, conglomerate. And so Peter Stanchek, who's kind of the, the first lens character in there, um, escapes with a group of, of psyops like him, and they go on the run. But what's terrifying about it is that these are people with a lot of trauma. They're people with a lot of pain. They're people with a lot of baggage who don't know how to make the right choice in life. They've never really been able to. And now they have the powers to save or kill dozens to hundreds of people at any given moment. And Who's going to end up being the big villain or the big hero of the story is really the big question going all through it. And what I love about the Harbinger team, the renegades, they call themselves, is their power sets don't magically happen to complement each other perfectly, and neither do their personalities. Um, they, Again, they're, they're just regular people with, who come from messed up backgrounds looking for a home, looking for a place to belong, looking for some evidence that they're, they're part of they can do great and the right thing in life. And so I would always recommend for, for any fan of something like uh, Runaways or X-Men, um, definitely, definitely pick up Harbinger. But stick with it because you're, you're not meant to like these people when you start out with. And that's right. the, the genius of the character arc is will they be the heroes or will they be the villains of the story? Okay, I'd be remiss not to, to ask you about one of your favorite titles, Quantum and Woody. So it's on ah the- man, Quantum Woody. It's like take <laughs> take Deadpool and The Hangover and Archer and put them in a blender, um, and you might come close to Quantum Woody. Quantum Woody is about uh, two brothers, a con man and a soldier who absolutely hate each other's guts. Have been estranged for years, and when they finally reunite because their father dies, he dies under some kind of shady circumstances. Uh, but it forces them to interact with each other, and they end up both independently going to their father's lab. Um, one arguably to steal stuff, the other to figure out what actually happened to their father. And there's this lab accident that gives them superpowers, but it also makes them inseparable. They have to clang their bracelets every 24 hours, otherwise they will disintegrate and die. And they are, without a doubt, the world's very worst superhero team. These are the guys that you hired to get a cat out of the tree a week later, a rainforest is burned down, and the cat's still in there, and nobody understands what happened. <laughs> um, they are incredible. But what I love about their story is, as hilarious as it is, and as as uh, as, as butt gusting, as gut busting, excuse me, it's it's really the story of these two brothers who are all the family they have left. And whether they like each other doesn't matter. They need each other. 
and, and all the good and bad that comes with it. Um, but then you also get just some of the greatest satire and commentary out there as well, and uh, a tremendous, tremendous yarn. And their secret weapon is Goat, uh, who can level a tank with one look from her. And there are so many incredible layers of that character uh, that I cannot possibly spoil. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's a great book. I even I really like the original series actually from Christopher Priest uh, and uh, Mark Bright. That was a oh, great collection, absolutely brilliant stuff, and yeah. it holds up pretty damn well to it this does. day too. And again, that was that was a risk. That was a that was a thing that was very revolutionary at that time to do this this action buddy comedy in comics. Yeah, uh, was not something that had really been embraced in the industry, and and Priest and Bright really kind of broke the mold. Um, and then when James Asmus came on in, in this iteration of Valiant, you know, he really took the spirit of that. And Daniel Kibblesmith has and Elliot Ray Hall. It's just, they're two of the most badass and most fun characters out there. And, and I'll be very honest, I'm not a comedy fan. I'm not a big, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I, I, I'm more angsty. I like, my, I like dark and brooding sometimes. But this was one of the few books that truly made me laugh out loud. And it, it was really my biggest gateway into the Valiant universe. So, so I highly recommend it for anybody that is looking for a great laugh and looking for a great story with some heart to it. Okay. Last but not least, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one for my buddy Martin Slam Duncan because this is his favorite character. The Eternal Warrior. Oh, yeah? Who is the Eternal Warrior? Oh, for? man. The, the Eternal Warrior, um, there's a little shade of Conan in there, but I also like to, to call a little Highlander meets Hellboy. Um, so <laughs> the Eternal Warrior, is uh, he's been around for thousands of years. He is the bodyguard, um, the, the gatekeeper, the safekeeper, if you will, of a being known as Geomancer. He's kind of the, uh, for, for, to keep it simple, kind of the, the conduit of Mother Nature on Earth. Uh, every generation, there's a new Geomancer whose job it is is to make sure that the Earth is kind of in balance. And the Eternal Warrior has always been uh, his or her bodyguard. Um, and for thousands of years, uh, he is, has fought uh, for the Geomancer, but also has kind of uh, gone through his own trials and tribulations. He's kind of a guy that's lived almost too long. Um, and what does that do to you? What, what does having those thousands of years of love and loss and duty to one soul obligation really mean? And how does that affect you? And how do you see the world so differently than someone else, um, who was only born, you know, 70 years from now, but is also older than you and, and all that you've experienced. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible journey. I love stories like the Valiant, especially if you want to get into it, which mm-hmm. really goes into the greatest failures and the greatest battle of the eternal warrior. And is also just a perfect gateway book to the universe as a whole. Um, but also into stories like wrath of the eternal warrior, which is one of my favorite eternal warrior stories by Robert and Diddy um, and Ralph Allen basically finally kill him. And what happens to an immortal bodyguard when he dies. Um, and it's just, it's a brilliant, brilliant take on, on the mythos um, and subverts all your expectations in the best ways. That's awesome. So if a person wanted to uh, start reading Valiant, what would be the best format for them to jump into getting their hands on some books? I, I would say there are, uh, this is the blessing and the curse of Valiant. There are a couple different great ways to do it. I think you could pick up Bloodshot Rising Spirit, number one, out in shops right now, and you can start with that character's backstory and the definitive origin. Um, and Bloodshot is certainly going to be one of the biggest ones in the news. He's the first movie coming out in 2020. 
uh, with Vin Diesel starring. They just wrapped principal photography not too long ago. That's so awesome. I think Bloodshot Rising Spirit is, is a great jumping on point if you just want to pick up a comic and, and read a kick-ass story. Um, if you want the universe as a whole, I always tell people to pick up a copy of The Valiant. Um, it's nine ninety nine U.S. cover price, um, and it's it's you know a great introduction to kind of a bird's eye view of the Valiant universe as a whole. And it's it, the Valiant universe is a house. This is the front door, and you come right into it. And you'll meet the Eternal Warrior. You'll meet Bloodshot. You'll talk about the Geomancer. You learn a little bit of Quantum Woody. You meet Ninjack, um, and you can just go five or six different directions from there. But so if you only have one read and you want to see who Valiant is from that bird's eye view, the Valiant is, in my opinion, probably the best jumping on point. And again, it's a nine ninety nine US cover price graphic novel. There are no tie ins, um, there's nothing you need to read beforehand. You just jump right on board. That's how we did our event series. Okay, great. So being the director of sales, what do you find is the um, the most consumed way that people are reading the books do you find that the single issue sales are the yes. main w- single still okay. singles okay interesting it's, it's still single issues right now um it's not digital it's not in in book form or, or trade paperback or hardcover single issues are still um you know the uh the biggest piece of the pie so to speak so how do you decide when trades are coming out? Is it strictly print the trades that are in conjunction with that story arc? So whether it's a three-issue, four-issue, is there any sort of formula or template that you guys have for this is how much will be in a single trade and how much they'll go for? Uh, you know, it's it's something we're, we're kind of always reevaluating. That's a great question, by the way. Um, but, yeah, generally we, we like to give a complete story arc. Uh, for one of our books, and sometimes that's four issues, sometimes three, sometimes it's six. You know, again, it, we we don't put those hard and fast rules on there because we want the creators to really have the freedom um, to tell the story in the space that they want to tell the story. Right. And so, uh, in general, it's it's usually four four issues. Something like XO has been three um, for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but we always make the volume ones for those nine ninety nine U.S. cover price. Uh, we always make it a, a, a generous and, you know, and welcoming and accessible price point and an accessible, you know, amount of story in there. So you're getting, you're getting your money's worth. Um, does that mean we'll always stay at, at that? Uh, well, as far as that amount of content, that price point, I hope we never change it. I'm always fighting never to. Um, but there have been talks of, of trying some, some new things out. And, you know, one of the great things is, again, never get comfortable. You know, always look at what you're, always look at what the data is telling us. Always listen to what the fans are telling us. Always listen to what the retailers are telling us. And, you know, if there's a great argument to be made on an eight issue, you know, trade paperback for $24.99 US cover, why not? Um, if there's a, a great argument to be made on, on a six issue arc, then we'll, we'll put it out. But we always like to give the beginning, middle, and end of a story. You know, we never want people to feel like they didn't have a complete reading experience right. when, when they're picking up a Valiant book. So we do always make sure that we're giving you a complete story in every book that you pick up. Right. So I read all of my Valiant mostly through trade and the deluxe editions. I love the deluxe editions. Sure. I get, you know, three or four different arcs in them. So I'm a little bit, I'm catching up. I just finished the first series of EXO and Ninja. You're binging. I'm binging. You're binging. Yeah, I'm part of the Absolutely. binge culture. So what can we look forward to in the, in what's happening now and what will be coming up in Valiant in the future? 
Well, for the hardcover editions, um, I think you definitely look at Q1 of 2019. You're going to be seeing um, uh, Exo Manowar by Matt Kent, pretty much the first year of the series. I believe it's the first 14 issues and the free comic book day story and the prelude that was in Exo Manowar 50, uh, which was the end of Robert Venditti's run before it. And so that's it's just a gorgeous book. We take so much pride and our designers um, and our production of our hardcovers, and we understand the, you know, the, the different kind of customer mindset that is with getting a something like a collection like that. Um, I'm also very excited, you know, in time for the life and death of Toya Harada, number one, coming out of March, there will be a complete series hardcover for Imperium, um, which uh, is, is one of the most brilliant things uh, we've ever published, in my opinion. Um, in a criminally underread series, uh, I would argue. So I'm really excited for, for those two series to get the hardcover treatment in the first quarter of 2019. Awesome. I just had... Oh, and, sorry, and no, no, just no to let people know, coming out very shortly, I think within the next week, um, the Divinity Complete Trilogy hardcover Ooh. is back in print um, nice. with a brand new cover. And if you haven't read Divinity yet, you are absolutely uh, depriving yourself of an incredible experience from Matt Kent and Trevor Harrison, David Barron, and Ryan Witt. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I haven't read the Stalin verse one yet, but I have the first two. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Get ready, man. Yeah, no, I'm Get thinking about getting the. Act. Yeah. So, is there any chance that some of the out of print uh, deluxe editions will be coming back, such as like Rye, or I'm trying to think of any of the other ones that I don't have yet? Uh, it, it, it all depends really. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're very purposeful, um, in terms of creating our print run, looking at the band and looking at, um, you know, we, we treat it with a lot of reverence. We treat it with a lot of, you know, we, we put a lot of heart and soul into these hardcovers. We understand that it, it's a slightly different market and it's a different mentality of, of buying it. So we're very deliberate with, with our print count on there, and we try to be very, very respectful of the market there. So that's one of the reasons we don't rush back into print uh, very often with those. Um, it's something that we're always talking about. Rye is definitely one that I, I think I have a conversation about almost on a weekly basis. And, you know, will we, won't we? Uh, you know, it, it could change next week. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, we did for Divinity, uh, but we wanted to make sure. We, we don't like just bring out the same thing again we want to make sure that if if we're gonna if we're gonna put the time and effort into it and you're gonna put the money into it then we want to make sure that it it feels special but we also respect that original print run as well so you know it's something we're constantly evaluating well i hope you guys do an archer and armstrong deluxe edition from the original run because i can't have volume two and not volume one That'll just drive me crazy. <laughs> well, I, I know I know that we're pressed for time a little bit, so I don't want to keep you. But thank you so much for staying with us for as long as you did and giving us a rundown of Valiant Universe. I hope I mean we just skimmed the surface, but I hope you can come back and we can get into some more in depth conversation of the line because I absolutely anytime, love it. Anytime, anytime, Eric, you let me know and just just you know thank you for bearing with me with uh, with my schedule between the convention and the holidays and everything here in the U.S. So. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. And, you know, any, this is the kind of stuff we love doing. We love being able to reach out and, and, you know, spread the word and, and let people know what we're all about and, and welcome them into the Valiant family because we really do think of ourselves as a family. Yeah. It, and it feels like it when you read the books. You really get that, that experience. Thank you so much, Matthew. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Anytime. <laughs>